Welcome to this special episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives. This is your host, Dan Cassetta. In this new era of business, virtual events have become an integral part of how we all operate on just about a daily basis. Mike Abramowitz is Cutco Vector's number one district manager, and he's an expert at running virtual events. We recorded this episode in an effort to bring best practices around virtual events to our audience. The ideas are designed for Cutco Vector meetings, but are relevant to anyone running virtual events of any sort. We'll talk about how to start an event with high energy, create connection among attendees, promote shared purpose to tie people in, add significant value, influence beliefs and actions, and mainstays for ending events, as well as following up afterwards to capitalize on the momentum created by your events. If you convene groups of people via Zoom or other online meeting platforms, you are in the right place listening to the right conversation. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode featuring Mike Abramowitz. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. We have a very special episode today with Mike Abramowitz. He is a repeat guest on the podcast, having previously been uh, featured much earlier in episode number 71. Mike is the top district manager in all of the Cutco Vector Marketing organization. His organization, headquartered in Tampa, Florida, was number one in the company in new business in 2020, number one in total business among all district managers, and he had the number one district team. And Mike is an expert at running events. He has been teaching people all across the country how to implement the virtual systems and virtual processes into running all of their events. He's a company Hall of Famer with over $15 million in sales. And we're going to specifically talk in this episode about running virtual events. Mike Abramowitz, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. Ready to rock and roll. Excellent. Thank you so much for making time to be able to share on this topic with our audience. Mike, before we get into the idea of running virtual events and the differences between live and virtual events, I would love to ask you about what are some of the principles or strategies that remain the same from running live events to virtual events? Well, if you're running an event, it doesn't matter if it's live or virtual. The first thing that comes to mind is there's got to be an outcome. Uh, So whether you're running a live event or a virtual event, you got to know what is the reason why I'm running this event in the first place. (laughs) So so number one is you got to know the outcome and what do you want to get accomplished with this event? So whether I'm running an event for a team meeting or I'm running a training seminar, I'm running an event for outside of Vector, like my Tony Robbins crew that I run in my local community or if I'm speaking and running an event in my chamber of commerce or if I'm running an event for Grab Tomorrow, like it doesn't matter. Wherever I'm running an event, I got to know what am I here to accomplish? What is the number one thing I want to get accomplished with this event, whether it's live or virtual. And with also that in mind is the type of energy. I always like to start an event with uh, some sort of music. It's got to be music. I I can't imagine not having uh, some sort of music playing uh, during an event or at least during like the lull moments. I think that's important. Live or virtual event, finding point people before, you know, if I'm speaking in an event, like at a school, I'll like talk to the crowd, work the crowd, I guess you will, for a live event. And then on a Zoom event, it's the same thing. It's just like kind of work the crowd a little bit before you, you know, start talking. So that way you have one or two like energy type of people that I could refer to if I need to. Like uh, these, for example, if I'm speaking at a conference, old school vector, you know, the 1.0 vector at a conference, you find like two or three people in the crowd. It's like, hey, like what is something you want to get out of this event? Yeah. Or, okay, cool. Hey, by the way, I'm going to hit on that during my message. When I do, I might even call on you. When I make sure you're ready to take notes on that. And like almost like get those point people at different sides of the crowd warmed up before I go to my message. And then on the on a virtual, it's very similar. It's like, you know, if they're show to the Zoom early, always invite one or two or three or four or five people to the Zoom early. It's like if it starts at six, hey, why don't you hop on 10 minutes early? And all those people that hop on 10 minutes early, it's like, hey, just so you know, 
when I start talking about this, this, and this, I'd like for you to throw, blow up the chat box, you know, be like those rabbits that are like kind of set the tone for energy. And, you know, so finding those couple of point people, I think those are a couple of things that show up that are the same, whether it's a live or virtual. Excellent. I like that. The idea of the energy at the start, I'm going to ask you a lot more specifically about some different ways of doing that. When I think about the similarities between a live event and a virtual event, the first thing I think about is that there should be some element of connection, that everybody feels connected to something, connected to a shared purpose, connected to the speaker, connected to each other, uh, that they feel a part of something. I also think about value, right? No matter what event we're running, whether it's live, virtual, in vector, out of vector, people have to get something out of it in order to want to come back, right? An event cannot be only to fulfill the purposes of the promoter or speaker promoting what they want to promote and not giving something to the attendees, not giving value to the attendees. And then I also think about what you said, which is the outcome, right? Is the event achieving a specific objective, right? If it's a team meeting, right? Are we creating demos, creating inspiration in our people? Are we building more of a desire to succeed so that they're retained longer in the business, right? If it's something outside of Vector, those same principles hold true. Making people feel connected to it, giving value, achieving a specific objective. That's what came to my mind. Yeah. The event is a platform almost to create a community that you are want them to be a part of. And I, I want to make sure that they're, they feel a part of a community. So it doesn't matter what type of event it is, but they're a part of something bigger than just them. And I especially, especially in the virtual climate where there's not as much human interaction, I want to make sure that they are feeling as if they are a part of something that is like, it's just bigger than just me sitting in my room or behind a computer screen. It's like, wow, I'm a part of this big thing. Uh, and, and the more we can create that with our, uh, our virtual events or really any event, but the more we can create that, the more retention, the more fans, I would say, I would like quote unquote fans, raving fans that we can build our brands around and our events around. Yes. Excellent. I love that concept of creating a community. That's an excellent way of putting that. What's the biggest difference, Mike? Like from Vector 1.0, you're in front of the crowd at your team meeting, you're on a stage at a big event, it's live. Now it's not. You know, what's the, the, the most important new thing about the current way of operating and running events virtually? Yeah, I, I would say the energy uh, running it from a live standpoint. I mean, it is it's very easy to have the infectious energy of a crowd in front of you, where sitting at a sitting in a chair behind a computer, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more challenging to create that. So for me, I know I'm sitting right now, but I have like my my setup over here where when I'm running a, a section of training or running a section of a meeting, I'll turn my laptop around. I'll have my setup turned around where I'm standing. So that way I can like really bring that type of live energy to, to, to my experience. And then I have my the microphone that I have is like an actual, like real microphone where I could like feel as if I'm talking on stage and I could pull it out of the, you know, the stand and walk around my room with it if I need to. And, but that type of that on stage feeling it's different in this virtual climate. So it needs to be created. And I, I think sometimes it's tough to facilitate or, um, MC from a seated position or bring the type of energy that's needed to kick things off. So finding a way to do that, finding a way to do that. Excellent point. Manufacturing energy. I like the idea you shared of, of movement, right? Of just the speaker being able to be in a position where you can move. As I think about speaking on stage in front of a large audience, I'm definitely not camped behind the podium the entire time. You know, there's movement to draw people in and to be able to have more of that energy for myself and for the crowd. That to me makes sense. Let's talk about this idea of creating energy at the start of an event and, and dig into this a little bit more. What, what are some of the ways that you do this? You mentioned, you know, standing, movement, music at the start. What else comes to mind that helps create energy at a virtual event? 
Well, for me as the speaker, I have a little, I have a trampoline in my home office too. So like at any point in time, I just go over there, right? It's right in front of me. I just jump on that thing. Uh, so that's, uh, that's really helpful. But I do think for creating the energy, we already talked about having those point people. I think we, we are naturally attracted to certain individuals. There are certain people that bring us energy and there's certain people that don't necessarily bring us energy. And knowing that if, um, if we're going to run an event, I start my event with some of those people that I know bring me energy. I want to make sure they're on the Zoom early so I can like get the mojo, you know? And, and I, think that's, I think that's important for, for me to get the mojo from them. I like the chat, you know, blowing up the chat with a couple of things. You know, you could start it off with a, a random question that can get some people um, interacting, interacting, like uh, having them grab a pet, like we, we do sometimes the, the puppy, puppy road, the puppy uh, show where it's like, grab your dog and, you know, grab your pet and hold it to the camera. Or, you know, we've, we've done some fun things to create some energy, like show us something interesting in your, in your home office, you know, they'll show us on, on the, on the zoom, but just to kind of break, you know, break the patterns, interrupt the patterns we've done. We've done stuff as simple as a dance party, uh, you know, where we'll, we'll have uh, people spotlight playing the music. It's like spotlighting people. I think that's important too, you know, whether it's myself or someone else that's a co-host, it's like just randomly spotlighting people. So during a phone jam, it's like randomly spotlighting people. And it's like, that's how it's done. Do you see that? That's how it's done. And with a Zoom feature, you could spotlight multiple people at the same time. So it's like spotlighting them. And it's like, do you see that? That's how it's done. And if there's someone that's like, you know, not getting it done, it's like spotlighting like this. It's like, this is not how it's done. Don't do that. You know? <laughs> so so it's just like making it, making it fun with spotlights, with energy, with music, finding those point people as well. The using the chat feature on Zoom as much as possible too, with uh, creating engagement. Those are a couple of things that come to mind. That was great. Spotlighting energetic people before the event starts. That's such a cool idea. I was thinking about when we have our Western region events, there tend to be a couple of people that are like the ones that are the really like fired up and they're sort of like dancing there in their seat, right? As they're waiting for the event to start to the music and they're rocking out. And if you just happen to look at them on the Zoom screen, you, you can't help but just smile. And so by spotlighting them, everybody is seeing them. That's bringing more uh, attention to them and it's helping to... And, 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 and then other people will want to be spotlighted. So they'll do the same thing. And it just brings up that energy. And the benefit the of that, the benefit of having a second person do this, like a facilitator, is so that way I'm not scrolling and being distracted by looking for people. There's literally a second person that's on the Zoom as a co-host, finding those people and spotlighting those people. So therefore, all I need to do is do what I'm doing. And then I have this second point person that's finding those people and bringing them on because you, you, most people know, like when you're on zoom, they're scrolling and like creeping on everybody else to see what everyone else is wearing or what everyone else is doing. But if you have someone else kind of controlling the spotlights, it automatically is kind of drawing attention to what you want them to see. Yeah. Excellent. I've seen events where they did a scavenger hunt at the start and just had people run off and grab three items that were specific to the group and then talk about them you know in front of people i ran a virtual event as a fundraiser for a nonprofit that's centered around childhood literacy and i just asked people at the beginning what's an impactful book what's a book that's really impacted you either in your life or recently that you can share and you know if you can think of one good question that will get people sharing something that's going to be relevant and helpful to the group that could also be a good way to get things going. And that a lot of people were sharing different books that they got. And that was pretty cool as well. I do think like for a vector team meeting type event, just like the fired up music, spotlighting key people that are energetic, like that's a great way to kick things off and, and really makes a lot of sense. You, Mike, I know have a number of mantras or I've heard you call them hashtags. These are sort of core philosophies you have that you frequently repeat at all of your events. Uh, What are a few of these that stand out to you and and why are they so important to repeat? So we do have a few. Um, There's probably many that are are relevant and some are more of like just internal, but 
The, some of the relevant ones is uh, Tiny Actions Daily, hashtag TAD. We talk about that one religiously because it takes some... Um, you, you, we, we may have heard of inch by inch, it's a cinch, mile by mile, it's a trial. And just taking that concept of breaking things down to the attainable and the simplistic where it's, uh, you know, hashtag TAD, Tiny Actions Daily. So it's like made my five phone calls, you know, or um, updated my list or just anything that's small, hit my workout for the day, listen to 10 minutes of podcasts, red tape pages uh, this morning, like hashtag TAD. So the tiny actions that we can do daily create incremental changes where it's it's not a big change. It's not a massive change, but it's movement in a trajectory. And that movement in our trajectory, and we continue to stack then stack and stack. Well, if you compound that over the course of a year, that leads to our another hashtag, which is the power of one year. And that's the tiny actions daily each day. Incremental growth leads to the power and transformation of 365 days from now, which is another mantra, it's the power of one year, where you could be and where you could see yourself. So aligning those. Another big one that we use a lot is cut, go through college, hashtag CTC, cut, go through college, because the opportunity that we have inside of Cutco is it's not just a one summer gig. It's the, the amount of lessons and teachings that we have it's far beyond just what someone can fully receive after just one summer. So it's got to be, you know, through college, when you graduate, cut, go through college, CTC, it's going to position you to have options, options inside of our company and options outside of our company. And the key is to create options for yourself, hashtag CTC. So anytime they do something that is about creating options, like I just ran an interview, I, I, I just gave my first talk at a team meeting, or I just did a something of a first that is under the umbrella of doing this for a longer period of time, hashtag CTC, hashtag cut go through college, I think is a, is a really relevant one. Leadership Academy, hashtag TLA, we use that one all the time as well. Uh, for a TLA moment, sometimes we'll use that, hashtag TLA moment, which is like... I gave a speech at my class today about time management, hashtag TLA moment. We'll do that sometimes. Uh, That's an important one. So these are a couple that just come to top of mind. And I'm I'm sure if anyone has seen any of my messages, there's probably a few others that have come up. Yeah, those were great. And when I think about Tiny Actions Daily, as you so eloquently just stated, when Tiny Actions Daily are taken all the time over and over again, this creates a transformation in someone's life. It doesn't create a transformation necessarily today, but over the course of a year, it creates a massive transformation. And so by promoting Tiny Actions Daily, you're helping people to transform themselves both inside and outside of Vector. So I like that one as well. Don't forget hashtag CLSK, Mike, changing lives, selling knives. That's another one. Uh, I agree. Another big one is make your difference. We use that one quite often, hashtag make your difference, because hashtag make your difference is I'm doing everything I can right now to grow personally, professionally, financially, which is another one, hashtag triple growth. So our triple growth opportunity is I'm personally growing personally, professionally, and financially. So that way I can make a powerful difference within my community, within my world that I live in. So I'm going to use the triple growth experience within being a game changer, which is another one, hashtag game changer, which is our team name, but triple growth experience in order to make a powerful and positive difference uh, in the community I live. So that's hashtag make your difference. And then also hashtag triple growth. Outstanding. And, And I know that you promote your game changers mission as well, your organizational mission that's frequently promoted at events. Um, yeah. Why our vision, take... our purpose, and our mission statement almost yeah. every, every event. Why do you share that? And, and, and how does one do that correctly? Yeah, I think it's a great question because many times we go into the business arena and we're just figuring out what we want. Like, I want to have this much sales. I want to create this much profits. I want to create this many recruits, uh, which is good. But we need to ask the second question, which is why? Why do we want that? Why do we want this many sales? Why am I doing this in the first place? And people are typically more attracted to the why and to the purpose. And when I say people, it's not just the people you're recruiting and working with your organization, but it's you as well. Because the daily activities, the process oftentimes gets 
mundane. It gets boring. It gets, you know, you fill in the blank. So what happens is when we can have a mission that we're working towards or a purpose and a vision that we're working towards, the process is irrelevant. Uh, An example I'll use is running. Running by itself kind of sucks. It's just running. So what do people do? They go to a color run. They'll go to a mud run. They'll go run for a cause. They'll go do like, you know, something along those lines. Why? To make the process more appealing, more interesting, because they're doing it with some sort of purpose. Hmm. So the activity is just running, but the purpose or the cause makes it more enjoyable or makes it more worthy. And that's the same concept. If they're making a phone call or sending out text messages or sending out social media messages, if they're just doing that activity, that activity kind of sucks. But if they're doing it with a purpose or with a cause or with some juice behind it, it allows the um, the activity to be that much more meaningful, that much more enjoyable. So that's why we'll start all of our functions with our vision and our purpose and our mission. And and that vision is to bridge the gap between the classroom and the personal, professional, and financial goals of our people. And that's our vision, our purpose. And our our, our vision and our purpose are aligned with this triple growth experience, uh, which ties to our mission statement, which is to educate and inspire all representatives to become exceptional individuals. And by us making a difference in others and developing ourselves as leaders, we will make a powerful impact in our communities. And it all kind of is aligned with this vision and this mission and this purpose, which is let me grow myself. Let me learn and develop as an individual personally, which is going to help me with personally, personal growth, self-confidence, communication skills, just dealing with my insecurities, just, just grow personally. So that way I can also then grow professionally, build my resume, get LinkedIn endorsements, create my personal brand, develop myself personally with time management, goal setting. And if I can do those two things, then I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to grow financially as a byproduct of me growing personally and professionally first. And when I grow financially, then I'm going to be able to open up some more options for my future and make a powerful impact in my community. So great, Mike. That was just so incredibly powerful, what you just shared right there. And it just underscores that what we do is so much more than selling knives. You know, I think that if you think about the activity that we're trying to have happen here as Cutco managers, Cutco Vector managers, we're trying to sell Cutco. We're trying to achieve certain sales goals. And many reps are doing that so they can have an income that can help them to do other things. But there are these much greater and deeper reasons behind all of why we do what we do that resonates so deeply for people. And when you can construct a mission that really resonates for people, you're giving people shared purpose. And it's such a, it's so much more inspiring to be a part of something like that, to, to be at the events where you're coming together with that community that all have that shared purpose. And that's uh, just a key to, I think, getting people to your events and really giving them feelings during that event that resonates deeply for them. So that was just so, so powerful what you just shared right there. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Now, how about the specific sharing of team or common goals? Because I know that this also ties in, right? The high level, we're sharing the organizational mission and some of the values, right? Then we also do take time to share hey, these are our specific goals. We're trying to break this record or we're trying to win this competition or we're trying to sell this much for this week or this push. What role does that play in your events? It's a good question. So one of the things that the leader of the organization needs to do is they need to quantify how do we know that we've achieved some of those goals. So it's like, all right, this is our big mission, our big mission, our big purpose to develop the next generation of leaders, to bridge the gap from the classroom to the business world. Great. Okay. Well, how many... (laughs) How often? We, 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 we do have to quantify it to an extent. So the leader of the organization wants to quantify these numbers. So the way I quantify it in my organization is I start at the top with, with how many people we want to set up for interviews. So like right now, we're gearing up for our summer. So we talk about 3,000 people set up for interviews. 
We're going to select a thousand of them for the position. We're going to launch over 300 of them into activity. And then we're going to have 125 of them get their first 10 orders placed. And from those individuals, we're going to have 30 get into our leadership academy uh, to position themselves to go through cut, go through college. So those quantifiable numbers are just specific to my organization. But I think it's important for the leader of the organization to quantify the numbers that are meaningful to them as the leader so they could get juiced up because by us hitting these benchmarks, I could enroll them. I could enroll activity that's aligned with the the numbers and the, the, the outcomes that I've created for the organization. So, so that'd be the first thing. And then underneath that umbrella of the three, by us doing this, we will do a million dollars in sales this summer out of my office. So it's like, the sales is a byproduct. We want to set up this many people for interviews. We want to provide this many jobs to, and opportunities to people. We're going to develop this many leaders. And as a byproduct, we'll sell this much. So this is where we need your help. By you hitting your goals individually, it's going to help us achieve our goals as an organization. Let me show you all the different ideas that are up for grabs for you to figure out what milestones and what goals that you're excited about. Team builder. Great. We have all these people we got to set up for interviews. So if you're excited about team builder, great. You want to make $1,000 paycheck? Awesome. That means you sell 33, 34 at 30%. So that means you got to hit your sales number, which is going to go towards our sales number. You want to advance with the company? Great. We have 30 leadership positions that we want to have for end of summer for Leadership Academy. So whatever we have our goals, then we could align their goals to ours And then we just manage them towards those numbers. But in the group, in an event, is where we publicly recognize all the cool stuff that's available to them. And then, you know, sometimes we'll do spotlights. So, like, I'll I'll spotlight. So, let me me go ahead and call on uh, Jess. Boom. Spotlight. Jess, I know I'm kind of putting you on spot here, but talk to us. You know, how are you using your your job here to help you towards your personal goals. Like what are your personal goals and how does it tie into the business? And then she'll like rant on and uh, about some of those things. And oftentimes I'll prep them with a WhatsApp message that just says, Hey, I'm going to call on you tonight. I'm going to ask you this question. If you want to just think about it beforehand, just, uh, just a heads up. And I'll let them know when I'm preparing my, my keynote slides. So that way it's not just completely blinded, but most of the time, that's what we're doing. I'll do my big stump speech of all the things that we have and all of, all of what's available and why they love it and why they should go for it. And then I'll call on someone. And they, that way they hear from a peer inside the organization. Yeah, excellent. I like it, Mike. I, I think that when promoting the organizational mission, I think it can be done in a, a similar or identical way week in and week out. When promoting goals, I find it very helpful to find different ways of promoting the goals, different levels of goals, different time frames of goals. At some point, maybe you're promoting the campaign. Other times you're promoting the month. Other times you're promoting this week or an upcoming push or whatever it might be. And I love how you tie the offices and team goals down to the individual's goals and how they fit in and how they can find different things that are can be part of their specific goals that they want to achieve. Vector is like a big banquet. There's so many different things you can pick from. We want to, you know, let people help people pick what are the things they want to achieve and you tie it all together so well. You mentioned team building as well, Mike. How do you promote team building at your events? So social proof is probably the easiest one uh, that immediately comes to mind. The more social proof that we have of people already doing this, it, it makes it very normal. So it's like, hey, I just want to recognize we just had so-and-so and so-and-so complete training because of so-and-so recommended them. Like, thanks for helping us build our team. So just like publicly praising that. Uh, sometimes we'll do like, especially when someone has like a nice paycheck, we'll spotlight them. It's like, hey, by the way, how'd you hear about the job? Cool. Are you mad at your friend for recommending you? No. Wasn't that really nice of your friend to do that for you? Awesome. Do you see why everyone recommends their friends? Yes. So here, what we did you get the random text of awesome? Is that how you heard about us? The random text of awesome you did? Cool. Let's do a round of random text of awesome because we have no idea who needs that text right now. So let's go ahead. Just put the word out there. 
Maybe someone needs it. Maybe someone doesn't. Sometimes, you know, who knows? Maybe one of your friends who had a job yesterday just got in an argument with their boss and they're like, I hate my boss. And at that moment, boom, they got the random text of awesome from you about the cool opportunity that we have available. And maybe they're interested today when they weren't yesterday. Maybe they got, you know, they crashed the car yesterday and now they need to come up with an extra thousand bucks to fix it. Boom, they get that random text of awesome from you at that moment. So you never know what you could be doing for a friend. Circumstances change all the time. Let's go ahead and send that random text of awesome out there and just see who's needing it. And that text is like, Hey, I know it's kind of random, but my my boss has a couple of openings. I didn't know if you or anyone you know might be looking for work, but if if so, let me know or here's the link, something like that. You know, it could change for a variety of ways, but that's how we kind of create some level of activity uh, towards team building, and that kind of ties into the goals, which is always one of the goals. I don't care if it's a weekly goal or if it's a campaign goal or a monthly goal. There's always a team building aspect of, hey, we want this many people on our team. Uh, we want this many people to advance. We want this many opportunities that we want to present. So it's like, uh, we need your help. We need your help right now. So that's kind of how it's framed. Yeah, excellent. I love the random text of awesome. That's a great way of putting that. Just, uh, you know, that we're trying to make people feel good about themselves, whether they want to come and check this out or not. I don't interrupt many episodes, but I wanted to take a moment here to acknowledge Mike Abramowitz for bringing such massive value to this conversation. You've already heard about how to kick off events in the right way. You've learned the power of repeating core philosophies or concepts that you want to ingrain within your audience. And you've heard how to create shared purpose by sharing your organizational mission or mutual goals. I encourage you to take some time right now to list out some of the elements of your mission, goals, or philosophies that you want to promote through your virtual events. In the rest of today's episode, you'll hear strategies for recognizing people at virtual events, bringing personal development content into your events for added value how to wrap up events, and how to follow up afterwards. If you enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoy bringing it to you, there are several ways that you can support the podcast. First, you can rate or review the podcast on your podcast player. Most importantly, you can share your favorite episodes with others in your circles. Follow me, Dan Cassetta, on social media, to keep up to date on new episode releases and comment on or share those posts for greater visibility of the great work that is happening in the world of Cutco leaders, alumni, and friends. You can also support our podcast sponsors by visiting changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. You'll find offers there from Brain Fuel by Cutco alum Colton Horn, Good Weather Wine, by the legendary Mark Lovis, or Organifi, which is truly the Cutco of superfood blends. You can also gain access to take a free CVI assessment to learn more about yourself and others on your team. Thanks so much for being a fan and supporter of this podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Now let's get back to the amazing Mike Abramowitz. One of my mentors once taught that it was a good idea to try to mention everyone's name at least once during a team meeting. You've referenced a way of doing that, creating social proof around team builder. What are some other ways that you employ to recognize people at a virtual event? I think in the virtual climate, it's just having their name on a slide is just equally as good as like calling on them. So in our meetings, the slides that we'll have will be like, there's big paycheck slides, there's sales for the week or getting on the newsletter slide. Uh, there would be how, the hitting their promotions slide, getting reps, getting a, like team builder around team builder, friends on the team slide. So like there's different, um, how much money they have in withholdings. That's an easy one. Like, Hey, like you could, you could be not the best sales rep, but you're going to save money and you start your withholdings account. Great. Like you could have $4 in your withholdings because you started up and your name's on a slide. So, so just having a name on a slide with all the different, different categories that could be meaningful, I think is an easy way. Uh, and just by having it on the slide, and if you want to like read off everyone's name, that's totally cool. You can do it. But one of the things that's really helpful is when your staff is prepped to take those screenshots of those slides and then send those out 
to like an individual coaching chat or sending it on a text or do a shout out on a social media post. So that's where uh, some of that recognition can also take place too. So we have, I call them paparazzi in my office. So uh, there's the, the, the paparazzi is someone who's taking screenshots of every slide and posting it in our WhatsApp chat. So sometimes I'll just post like, Hey, who's on, who's our, who's our paparazzi tonight. And they're just taking the screenshots and posting in our WhatsApp chat. So that way everyone could have access to those slides uh, for a future repurpose, whether it's through a, a copy paste text or social media push out at or something. Paparazzi. I love it. <laughs> taking screenshots of slides and then posting them or even a higher level would, of course, be sending them with an individual note to different people. Hey, congratulations. I saw you were number eight in the office last week. Let's keep that going. It's only a matter of time before you have a week at number one. I know you can do it. Boom. Mm -hmm. Like just a simple piece of recognition like that goes such a long way for people. Back in the old days, as I'm thinking about this, Mike, you know, we used to have the newsletter printed out for all of our right, the handwritten note on it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I literally would take whatever length of time it took, which sometimes was a long time. And I would, everybody that was on the newsletter, I would circle their name and I would think about and write a quick little handwritten note with like a Sharpie right over the rest of the newsletter and sign it and hand it out. And I can remember meeting reps years later that told me like, Hey, I saved all of my newsletter notes from you because it was so powerful, right? They're getting this handwritten note from somebody. And I guess the Zoom version of that is the screenshot with the text and a, and a message to somebody. And so that's a great idea as well to be able to recognize people. I love that. Great. Here to serve. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a hallmark of my own events, Mike, has always been some form of personal development. And this is where I feel the value piece really comes in for everybody is we're not just recognizing and talking at them and trying to get them to do more demos, but we're giving them some type of actual value that goes beyond just selling knives. How do you implement this component into your virtual events? Well, I mean, ju just to start every meeting, we start our team meetings with personal growth. So like the personal growth aspect of is so critical for our organization's mantra and our mission statement, which I mentioned is personal, professional, financial growth. So we always want to give them something that has to do with uh, perspective or something that has to do with belief systems, something that has to do with developing self-confidence, which really comes down to holding agreements that you make with yourself. Uh, that's a lot of what where what we talk about with self-confidence. Like if you um, procrastinating on something, like that's okay. It's not ideal, but it's all about the recovery. That's that's a big theme and mantra that we bring in with personal growth. It's not about never messing up. I was listening to, I bring this up all the time in my meetings. I, I was watching, I don't know if you remember this, Tiger Woods versus, I think it was um, Woods versus Mickelson. They did that like charity, like a head-to-head -head competition. And there was a sports announcer that was announcing the game or the match. And he said, Tiger Woods said, it's not about hitting the ball perfectly every time. The best golfers don't hit the ball perfectly every time. The best golfers can recover the fastest. And he says, Tiger Woods is the best at recovery because he could hit the ball like off and then he'll put it two feet from the pin on the next shot. And it's all about that recovery. So we talk about that a lot where it's just like, hey, if you procrastinated or if you messed up here, if you missed that phone call there, if you didn't organize here, it's okay. How fast can you recover? What does the recovery look like? How can we, can we recover? Uh, so we talk a lot about that because it's so relevant inside the business and outside the business. Holding agreements that you make to yourself. We talk about you know the tiny actions daily as a personal growth. The belief systems we talk about a lot with personal growth where it's uh, society's trying to chase chase outcomes, get rich fast, lose weight quick, get good grades now. It's all about outcomes, but are the outcomes always there? No. So if the outcomes aren't there, then what happens? We feel bad. And if we, if we feel bad, then we believe we're bad. And if we believe we're bad and we feel bad, then we're going to not really take actions that are aligned with our goals. We might isolate. We might not take the appropriate actions, which doesn't give us the outcome. So instead of chasing outcomes, let's influence our beliefs. So influencing beliefs first. 
I'm worthy, I'm capable, whether it's using affirmations or journaling or, or listening to a podcast or reading some books or doing a workout, holding an agreement you make to yourself. So that way we believe we're worthy, which makes us feel good. And when we feel good, we'll do good. And if the outcome isn't quite there, we don't get the sale, we don't get the result. It's okay. We put that belief system on again. We tell us we're confident. We do things that, that make us feel good. Uh, and we do that. We're going to feel good and we'll take good action. And eventually those outcomes will be there. And some, so, so that concept, we talk about that every week, influence beliefs versus chasing outcomes. So these are a couple of personal growth things that we bring in. Sometimes it might be five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of a session. But that, in my opinion, is what's going to equip them to want to listen to the other sections of my meeting because they're like, all right, I already got value from this thing and we're only a few minutes in. I can't wait to listen to the rest of this. Yeah, that, that was so good. You, you know, you talked about the the idea of recovery, which I view that as being like, that. that's a core philosophy that you promote, that it's not it's not always about you know, doing things correctly the first time, but it's about being able to recover, being able to learn from the mistake and recover as quickly as possible. I think it's important for every person listening to develop a list of core philosophies that are truly meaningful to you. And I'll give you an example of one of mine, which came from Jim Rohn. And it's the core philosophy. It's not what happens. It's what you do that makes the difference. Because what happens happens to all of us, right? Jim Rohn talks about how what happens is a lot like the weather, right? If it's raining today in Tampa, it's raining everywhere in Tampa on everybody who lives there, not just Mike Abramowitz, but on everybody, right? And, but, you know, what you do is what matters most, right? We were talking about this a little bit earlier, Mike, that you're, you're dealing with a very significant and difficult life experience right now with the birth of your child premature at 26 weeks, which is it's crazy to even think about. And we were talking about how one of the philosophies I also have is that the world sends challenges like that to people like you and me, because we can be examples for others of how you handle difficulty, how you handle things. We can be inspirations to other people through our own example, through our own positive example. I love to share different core philosophies with people. Your example of recovery is exactly one of these. And these philosophies get into people's heads. And the more that they're shared and discussed and talked about, the more we are truly, as you put it, influencing people's beliefs. And I know you try to do that. You tell people, you know, about put your belief system on, right? You're helping people to to put their belief system on when they're tackling the world. I would just love for you to just expound upon this and share a little more about how you do this. And to your point about the circumstances, I I, I talk about circumstances are going to happen all all the time. And the question is, is, do you have a problem in your life? And if the answer is no, then you have nothing to worry about. But do you have a problem in your life? Yes. Cool. Well, the next question is, can I do something about it? So the problems that we can do something about, we take action. And the problems we can't do anything about, we reach acceptance. So some of the philosophies we talk about there, which is what are the ways to take action for the problems that we can control? And what are the ways that we can reach acceptance for the problems that we cannot control? And sometimes we'll talk a little bit about that. Like what are the problems that we can't control? The weather, you know, sickness or health or death of a loved one or the outcomes. A lot, uh, you know, the past, the past is one of the biggest ones, like a past outcome. It's, it's, we can't do anything about it. So what are the things that we have to reach a place of acceptance? And, and how do we reach a place of acceptance for the things that we cannot control? Well, that's sometimes easier said than done, but we will talk about it. You, you know, journal through it and finding grace or finding the gift, finding, like you said, inspiration, Latin rooted from in spirit, how to connect to more of the spiritual side of life and, and how, to, how to find grace or find the gifts or the ability to teach this lesson where maybe, it, maybe we don't know when it's going to show up, but it might come back later. So we'll talk about that. And then the problems in our life that we can control. You know, if you don't like how much money is in your bank account right now, it's like, okay, that's a problem. Can you control that? Yes. Pick up the phone and start dialing, you know, get in front of prospects. There's something you can absolutely do to control that problem or to influence that, uh, that problem. There are actions that you can take. Uh, you don't like where you're at with your health and fitness. Great. Can you do something? Yes. 
eat less, exercise more. Like there are things that you can do for some of the problems in our life. And there are things that we must accept for other things in our life. So we'll bring that some of those principles in. We also talk about a Jim Rohnism as well, which is success is nothing more than simple disciplines practiced and repeated every day, where failure is just a few simple neglects repeated every day. So what are the neglects and what are the choices that we need to make to help that align? And that kind of aligns with the tiny actions daily. So yeah. those are a couple other isms. Yeah, that's great. A few simple disciplines. That's a great little hashtag right there, right? Mm-hmm. FSD, FSD, a few simple disciplines. This process of being able to influence people's beliefs and to bring personal development into every event, it requires that the leader be constantly growing. And that's a benefit in and of itself is you're challenging yourself to always have something valuable to share and give to others. I frequently have people ask me like, hey, where do you find good content? Or, or they'll say like, I don't have time to be able to constantly be you know, reading and inhaling lots of books and digging up good content. I, I want to plug one resource, which is a podcast guest that I had recently. Her name is Dushka Zapata, and she was episode number 188 on the podcast. And she is a brilliant writer who writes a short essay every day. And she puts it on all her social media. You can follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. And after about six months, she's got literally you know, almost 200 different little short essays. She puts it all into a book and she puts out a book. Over the last few years, she's put out 11 different books. You could get any of them and just open to any page and read this short essay that's a few minutes. You could even just read one sentence out of some of them. And that's your content to share with your people. That's your core philosophy for the day. That's your topic for discussion. And it can lead you into so many different cool things you can do with it in terms of you could have breakouts and have people discuss what does this mean to you, right? If, if we talk about the idea of daily disciplines from Jim Rohn, you could have breakouts and you could ask people, hey, identify what is the one key daily discipline that you most want to develop and share that with some of your peers and we'll all help hold each other accountable. There's so many cool things you could do around this idea of bringing personal development a little nugget into an event uh, that helps people grow. Yeah. I would also echo that there's a lot of vector-trained authors. Uh, In fact, I I just picked up another book. I've personally invested into every book that a vector manager, representative, anyone who's vector-trained, I bought their book and I have a bookshelf of all of their books because... It's interesting, Dan. And the reason why I did that is because when I launched my book, I I didn't quite get the backing I wanted. And I was like, man, I wish more people from Vector would have bought this book. you know. And uh, so instead of me complaining about it, I just made the decision to buy everybody else's book and just be that profile. Now I have all these books. I just bought Dylan's... uh, Dylan... uh, Labadia. Labadia, yeah. But just bought his book. His book just got uh, came in the mail yesterday from Amazon. And uh, I have all everyone's. I have them all, all of them. And you could just pick out something from any of their books. And these are vector-trained individuals. Obviously, Dan's podcast, the podcast is incredible where you know you just listen to a clip and be like, wow, this is someone who's you know from vector trained. The show notes are there. So I surround my house with books all over the place. So never next to any remote, <laughs> there's a book. My bedroom, every bathroom in my house, there's three bathrooms. Every bathroom has a book next to every TV, next to every TV has a book. So that way I'm tempted to read. Even if it's for a couple of pages, I think that's important too. And by the way, this is from Ray Dalio, his book Principles. He said, you don't need to read every page in every single book. Uh, sometimes people read the book just to tech check the box that they read the book. If the authors go on like a rant about like a personal story that you're not related to, he's like, I give you permission to like skim over that and get to the next part of the, the book. Like you don't have to read every book cover to cover. And, and it was interesting because when I heard that, it was like, I gave myself permission on how to read a book differently. Uh, you know, you could actually open up to a random place in the book and just kind of read a section that's interesting. So uh, you can get content all the time. And oftentimes I'm, I, I want to listen to music, but 
I'll give myself permission to listen to music by listening to a podcast first, like five, six minutes. And then I'll listen to music just to like create that negotiation with myself, read a couple pages, and then I'll turn on the TV or Netflix, you know, don't go on my social media until I look at my goals, you know, something like that. Yeah. Excellent. Ray Dalio, by the way, is also a great follow on LinkedIn. I would highly recommend to everybody listening, go follow him on LinkedIn. And, you know, short snippets of good stuff uh, is a great way to be... Yeah, Darren Hardy as well. Short snippets of good stuff is a great way to be able to bring content to your meetings. I mentioned that, you know, Mike was featured on episode number 71. And in episode number 201, we did a flashback Friday of your episode, Mike, where we just took about 10 or 12 minutes out and give people a little quick snippet to be able to hear a piece of your story. The flashback Friday episodes of this podcast are designed to be used as tools to, to play at meetings because they are 10 or 12 minutes typically of the guest sandwiched around me saying a few things, but uh, 10 or 12 minutes where you could play a little snippet of somebody and then you could discuss it with your team and have chat box engagement or have breakouts or whatever it might be. But those are all cool things that, uh, that can be used. You call some of the things you share at meetings truth bombs. I love that. Truth bombs. You got any favorite ones that stand out that you want to share? Uh, the truth bomb is there's just one. If you could Google it, there's a Google image with truth truth bombs. But it's like you, you know we we can we could afford a hundred dollars for uh, you know one thing, but we can't afford a hundred dollars for something else. And it's like we make these uh, decisions of how we can make time for something, but we can't make time for something else. And just creating that awareness for for them and and not to make excuses around things that are more are meaningful for them. Yeah. That's cool. I know there's a lot of those that you've uh, shared that, that people could get. So that's pretty neat. Mike, give us an idea about how you wrap up events. What are some of the mainstays to bring an event to a solid conclusion? The what's important now, W-I-N, win, uh, is, is always an easy one. So it's like, after we go through the content, it's like, all right, what did we just tell them? What, what's important right now? So of everything we just talked about, this is what's most important right now. You could call them assignments or action steps. But I always think it's important for them to never leave the site of a decision without some sort of small action followed up with some sort of massive action. So that's a great lesson I learned from Tony Robbins years ago. So I want to make sure I, I have it easy for them to capture what are what's what are the small actions and followed by any of the larger actions that can happen uh, following those decisions that they just made. So if they just made a decision, so it's like if you just so for example, it's like, all right, leaving this event, everybody, uh, here's what's important now. Hit this benchmark, that bank, blank, blank, whatever it might be. And then it's like, cool. So I want you to real fast, if the, if one of your actions, could you do one of these actions sometime before bed tonight? And that way, tomorrow, you already have some sort of momentum that you're waking up to. So whatever your what's important now, so maybe it's set a reminder on your phone. Maybe it's to uh, set the alarms now. Maybe it's to pre-type the text messages that you're going to send in the morning or you know whatever it might be. But, but, but take some sort of small action now and follow it up by some sort of massive, massive action tomorrow and then share that with your coaching chat. So text, essentially get some sort of accountability with somebody. So we want them to figure out what are their actions for what's important and then share that with their coach for the conversation starter. Because then for specifically a team meeting, we have our Thursday or Friday benchmark combo to recap the team meeting. So when a representative takes all of their light bulbs or their takeaways or their notes and their action steps and shares that with their coach, the coach has talking points for Thursday to recap the team meeting to transition them into action for their weekend. So for, for a team meeting, that would be a, an easy way to use that as a best practice. Excellent. Next event sign up is also uh, you know something we want to make sure we do. So if there is a next upcoming event, we get them signed up for that next event while the excitement is there. Uh, I think that's a really important best practice too to event to event management is critical especially yeah. in the virtual climate. Excellent. I used to think about in wrapping up a team meeting, I used to think about today, tomorrow, this weekend, next week, future. 
Think about those five things. What's something important that you want people to be thinking about for today? Like what action can they take? Never leave the site of a decision without taking some action, right? What's an action people can take today? Hey guys, we've got a phone jam following this event. We're going to be hanging out for an extra hour. Here's what we're doing. Tomorrow, what do you want people to do tomorrow? Right? Hey, tomorrow, right? Make sure you schedule your time to have your coaching call, da 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 da, da whatever it might be. This weekend, right? Hey, our goal for this week is this. Here's about what we need to accomplish to be able to do that this weekend. Be thinking about what your goal is, what you're going to get done this weekend. Next week, right? Hey, next week's event, this is what we're going to talk about promoting next week's event or next week, this starts happening, push starts or whatever it might be, new month and then future, right? Down the road, right? Here's something to keep in mind for that's coming up. SC1 is coming up here or the next big event is coming up here. The next division meeting is coming up here or you know whatever the team is striving for. So just think about those thoughts today, tomorrow, this weekend, next week, future, and what can you bring to your people to get those thoughts into their head as an event is ending. I think it's important to have a slide so that people have a visual of upcoming events, right? So they're constantly reminded visually and auditorily or whatever that word would be. <laughs> and so they, they hear it and they see it. And that's a great way of making sure people uh, don't forget about upcoming events as well. What are some of the events you're running these days besides team meetings, Mike? Well, we have uh, during the summer specifically, we run a workshop every morning, seven days a week. So we want to pong them to the next morning workshop. So if we're running the Wednesday night team meeting, we pong them the Thursday morning. So we want to get as many people signed up as far as attendance goes as much as possible. Sometimes we'll do our PB&J feeding frenzies. So we want to get them signed up to join us for 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 those if we're doing it that week sometimes we'll do uh, we'll have conferences or uh, sales leadership development meetings the following Tuesday with the manager key staff meetings we'll we'll be doing those on Thursdays so uh, confirming attendance for that I would say those are those are probably some of the main ones and then there might be some invitational meetings like we're going to be running uh, an assistant manager intern informational meeting uh, that's going to be invite only. So um, that will be a rotation that we can get promoted and then personal invitations only to that session. Yeah, excellent. Mike, this has been huge, huge value. Huge value. Is there anything we've left out? Anything else you feel like is critical for the success of a virtual event? I would say um, if it's not set up yet, is making sure you have some level of communication system in place around the event. So this would be not probably non-vector, but like, you know, vector, we have your group me or your WhatsApp or whatever, but but you want to have some channel or some way to have communication follow-up after the event. So the conversation doesn't stop when the event is over. I think that's really critical. And that's why in Vector, we have those Thursday benchmark conversations and we have our WhatsApp group. But if you're non-Vector and you're leading a team or you're, you just finished this awesome event, you spent hours preparing for it and you crushed this great event, but then it stops there, I think oftentimes it's wasted energy. So having a platform and some sort of way to keep the conversation going once the event is over, I think is gonna is, is really critical. So having that that infrastructure in place before the event starts, so that way you can pump them or funnel them or channel them into that communication, whatever, whatever structure you're gonna use, whether it's Discord or WhatsApp or GroupMe or whatever the case may be. I also am I, I think it's important to record every event so that way the anybody who misses the event can be sent the recording so that way they can still get all the information that was received and then you can follow up with those people. I think that's been really critical for us. I've been recording almost everything in this virtual climate so that way I can revisit it the following week or the following year on that date. And it also for anybody who missed the event, they could still get all the information without me having to spend the time or a coach having to spend the time to cover it with them. And then they just send us their debrief. Excellent. That was so good. If you really want the value to, to be brought home, I think that some kind of post-event conversation, recap, what'd you get out of this? What did you like best? Anything where you're discussing it with people and making sure that the key ideas are brought home, that helps a ton. And of course, I would also add like great promotion in advance of every event 
and that helps get people there as well. In this day and age, it's cool that we can record and people can catch up if they miss something. That's pretty powerful as well. So I like that. Uh, so much great stuff, Mike. I know this is going to be a great resource for everybody. I have one more uh, cool best practice is Calendly. There's a, a one-to-many feature on Calendly. So I'll use this for, for workshops that I run where um, they could sign up for for the event. So that way they get the text and email reminders for the event. So uh, that's something that's a, a simple a simple best practice that, it's, uh, that I've recently started using. And then you could set it up on Calendly where I do the paid feature where they get a text and an email. So that will, they'll get the link and they'll get the, the reminder and they could sync it with their Google Calendar too. So it's a small, simple best practice that you could implement uh, for the one-to-many events that you might want to do. Excellent. Excellent. Man, this has been great. I really appreciate your time and the energy and value you just brought. Thanks so much, Mike. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Whoa, that was truly amazing value from Mr. Mike Abramowitz. Such great stuff on running virtual events, manufacturing energy to start a critical initial concept. How can you create community with the people that are a part of your event and thinking about how you can create that as one of the key objectives during an event? The mantras or hashtags that are beginning to affect people's habits and actions, right? Tiny Actions Daily was one of those ones that he shared right there. I hope Changing Lives Selling Knives can become something that a lot of you share or are sharing. Sharing the organizational mission, the idea that people are attracted to why we're doing what we're doing and we're trying to find some element of shared purpose with everybody who is on an event. Then quantifying that to team goals and breaking that down to individual goals. Finding ways of recognizing as many people as possible. Catch people doing things right and mention their name or put them on a slide or recognize them later through strategies like the paparazzi, taking screenshots and sending those out to people. I think it's key to develop your list of core philosophies that you want to have ingrained in your people, the ways that you want to influence people's beliefs. What are some of your core philosophies that you want to help have people on your team hear and learn and adopt? And making sure you're finding a way of weaving those in. Of course, ending your events with what's important now, a review of upcoming events in the calendar to make sure that that objective we talked about earlier of some type of action happening, that that is fulfilled as your event is winding down. I do feel like creating opportunities for interaction are one of the most important things that can help make events great. And I want to teach briefly here one way you can do that. So if you're teaching a simple concept, like maybe you're teaching a concept like how to create your customers via virtual demos. How do you create a greater connection with people? You might teach a few quick ideas on that for two, three, four, five minutes. Then you ask people, hey, I want you all to think of a time where you created a great and instant connection with someone. What was that time? What happened? Who was the person and what happened? And you want to give people a moment to write this down. So encourage people to keep a journal next to them during events or to open up another file on their desktop next to the Zoom window and just scratch out on paper or on their computer, you know, what was that time where they connected with someone? Or this doesn't have to be about creating rapport. It could be something completely different, right? This could be about making a big sale, right? And what was that experience like? What did you do right that helped create value? What was the experience in asking for the order and having the customer proceed to buy? How did that all go? Right? And you're just having people, first you give people a chance to write down their thoughts on this thing you're teaching. So you teach for a few minutes, then you have you pose a good question that's easy for people to answer, maybe try to find two or three different ways of posing the same question, and you get people to write. And the, the reason the written part is important is because introverts do not like to be put on the spot. Introverts do not like you to call them out and say, hey, Dan, what's your answer to this? 
they like to think and put their thoughts in, get their thoughts organized first. So you give people one to two minutes just to write out what was this experience, right? To go back to the rapport or connection, right? What was a time where you connected really deeply with someone, you know, very quickly? Who was it and what happened? They're identifying that. Then you give people a chance to share these stories in small groups. You can do groups of, you can do one-on-one groups. You can do groups of three, four, five. Sometimes a bigger group works. But some type of small group breakouts, which work well during Zoom meetings, particularly if the meeting is a little bit more lengthy, like over an hour, any type of breakout I think is key to have during a meeting. And you just get people to discuss in small groups. And that reinforces the concept. People really like being engaged and involved in that way. And it's something that you can implement in a lot of your events. So a brief teaching, followed by a written exercise, followed by some time to discuss in small groups. And then when people come back to the room, there's a number of ways you could create what we call a debrief. You could ask people, hey, what was your experience in the breakouts? You could ask people, who's someone you'd like to acknowledge from your breakout? Uh, You could ask people, what's one specific thing you learned in your breakout? There are a variety of questions you could ask, and you could either get people to volunteer and share verbally on the Zoom meeting, or you could get chat box engagement happening where people are blowing up the chat box with like cool things. Hey, what's right? One word about how you felt at the end of your little breakout session just now. And everybody can write one word in the chat box. That's a cool way of doing this as well. Hey, check out Mike Abramowitz full episode number 71. If you want a quick snippet of it, check out his Flashback Friday episode, which was episode number 201. All of the Flashback Friday episodes are designed to be great for you to implement at meetings. Check those all out. And check out Dushka Zapata, episode number 188. It is mind-blowing, and you'll get tons of little nuggets you could use to share core philosophies or truth bombs or mantras at your team meetings and events. Thanks, everyone. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 